This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day one, Husky Fall Camp 2023s on the shores of Lake Washington for those out of town. Looks like the weather's going to be pretty consistent for the next 10 days or so, and that's high 70s, low 80s, maybe touching the mid 80s. But, uh, boy, when it comes to weather, you couldn't ask for a better day in Seattle than what we're, we've been seeing for the past week mm-hmm. and what we anticipate for the next couple of weeks. But just absolutely gorgeous day on the shores of Lake Washington. And um, just I think what's really interesting, both of you guys, we've been doing this for a long time. We followed a lot of teams. We're on our eighth coach, I think, and – when you come into day one of practice, this is as finely tuned to day one practice as I've seen in a long, long time. Well, even, yeah, even Kalen DeBoer said if if you were going to look at last year with a brand new staff, brand new players as far as they were concerned, not knowing what was going to happen, you'd had a legitimate quarterback battle in his mind. You know, it was 100-level courses. He said you can easily see now we're at the 200, 300 levels at this point with the offense day one. And when you have a Heisman Trophy candidate, legit candidate, Michael Penix Jr., throwing the ball all over the place and the receivers looking as good as they are, um, it's hard not to get real excited about what this what this team's all about. And, Scott, again, it's like I said, you know, it's just guys know where they're going. They know the plays. They know the defense. They, they're familiar with each other. The coaches know each other. Again, it's as finely tuned day one as I've seen in a long time. Well, it helps when last year – we weren't. We still didn't see that much from Michael Penix that told us that he was going to have the season that he was going to have. And then in spring, and then he had the season that he had. And then in spring ball, I, I, and a few other people that I had talked to, all kind of thought that it just didn't. He, he just didn't look on. It, there were times when he held the ball too long. Different things happened. And this one, I mean, he came out and it, I think for the offense to look as good as it did. That really took Michael Penix and Dylan Morris both having really good days. And I thought both of them had really good days. And I thought that Jamarcus Shepard set the tone very early on in stretching. He was going up to all the corners and apologizing because we're going to abuse you today. It doesn't mean we don't love you, but we're going to abuse you. We're going And then William Inge comes in, and, they, and those two start talking smack with the corners and the wide receivers. It was pretty funny to mm-hmm. listen to. So uh, the tone was set early with those guys. It's as it should. I mean, those guys are in their second year now. The the comfort level between the players and coaches is obviously at a different level. The trust, the 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 building of the relationships between the players and the coaches is at a different level. Everything has gone up a step. And and just because we're gushing about the offense doesn't mean the defense didn't have their moments too, especially along the defensive line. I don't want to jump ahead, but there are certainly some guys that I thought had big days. We'll talk about them. But um, And especially even early in camp, typically 
when you're talking about a really good football team like Washington certainly looks like they're going to be in 2023, a lot of times the defense has a lot of the early edge in these first couple days as the offense is still installing some things and working on a few wrinkles. And I think we saw a little bit of that as well today. Health-wise, they looked healthy too. Yeah, the only um, – so Alinius Davis is limited. No, um, no, no, it was Bellow. I know, but on. he's limited. Bellow had his foot in a cast and okay. wasn't even participating. Was he in yellow then? Was Davis in yellow? Because yes. the only one in yellow that yeah. I really saw during the team periods was Tupatala. Yeah, he he's he was in yellow. One okay. of the Parker uh, brothers in yellow, got, too? No, I, neither of those guys. Those guys were full go. So, um, so and then um, on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know if you saw Tayshawn Lyons when he was coming in motion one time. He was kind of limping, but he never seemed to get any treatment, so I, I don't know. I was, weird. frankly, I was stunned at how yeah. quickly all three of the true freshman receivers were getting out there. We're getting yeah. out there as a group, and it, we'll talk a little bit yeah. about that as but, well. But, um, you know, overall, I thought the health was pretty good. You know, we heard coming into camp that there was only one injury, and that was to Bellow. Yeah. That happened. Everybody else should be full go. There might be a couple guys that they hold back a little bit. One of them was Tupatala. Yeah. Um, we had heard that he was probably going to be held back a little bit uh, early on, but it didn't really matter because they just rotate those guys through so much. Yeah. Michael Penix, you said a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, and he sure looked the part. He knows, I mean, he just looks like he knows the offense backwards, forwards, knows when guys are open. Uh, I thought it was interesting. The first pass that he threw almost got picked off by, um, was that, um, who almost picked that off? I, the only one that I saw that looked like it should have been picked off was a pass from Morris that should have been picked off by Thaddeus, Thaddeus Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. I don't remember. The yeah. one The one pass I think you're thinking of is the one where Jalen uh, Polk kind of bobbled it a couple times, and it looked like it could have been a 50-50. It, it, um, was, it was Eddie. Yeah, and, and, and I think Ula yeah. Foscio was the, was the closest defender in the vicinity. But how sharp did Michael Panix look today? Um, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, I have not seen a quarterback day one, and I'm even talking about yeah. Jake Browning in yeah. his fifth year. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback that sharp from the go. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, the media asked Kalen DeBoer today after practice was basically, you know, as good as uh, Michael Penix was last year, what's the difference between last year and this year? And he said basically vocal. And he goes, that doesn't mean he's yelling at guys and things like that. And so when he's kind of mentioning how this evolution with Penix as a vocal leader is taking place, I just had this idea of E.F. Hutton. It's like he's not talking very loud. He doesn't really have to announce himself with a lot of decibels. But you just get the sense that when he's saying something now, everyone's listening. It's like when they got together at the end right before the last team period and we're holding up the four fingers like mm -hmm. fourth period, we're going to finish this thing strong, he's the one that's leading the talk. And so you just hear those types of things, and it just shows you the development that he's had. And, you know, like, like DeBoer said, he goes, he didn't come back for just any reason. He came back because he has some very specific things he wants to get done, and he's going to make sure that everyone is held to the highest standards starting with himself. This guy, like I said, he knows the offense so well. He knows where everybody is, and there's a clip that we, you've probably seen numerous times of Patrick Mahomes you know, looking somebody off and then throwing to mm -hmm. a guy without even looking at him. Michael Panix looks like he's capable of that because he knows where everybody's at. Yeah, yeah, he should. I mean, he's been in this system now for three years, you know, one, two years here and then a year at uh, Indiana, so... Um, you know, I, I think it's just his comfort level here. Um, you know, he nobody thought he was coming back. He decides to come back, and it's like Chris said and, and Coach DeBoer said, you know, he didn't come back to not win a title. Yeah, He's here to win a title, and I think he's got that eye of the tiger going. The other thing that I would add to Kim real quick, 
because we talk about DeBoer saying they're at a 200, 300 level now in terms of the offense and execution and, and understanding what Ryan Grubb wants from them or everything else. He says, remember a year ago, Michael Penix was in a competition with Dylan Morris and Sam Heward. Mm-hmm. Now it's like when the first team's up, they don't even think about it anymore. They know who the first team guy is, and they've known who the first team guy is since spring. And all that stuff carries over, and that kind of continuity and consistency and performance only helps the offense have that swagger that they need to have in order to play with that high level of confidence and, and be able to, to put the ball down the field the way they want to. Some fans always seem like they need a pinata, they need somebody to beat on, and you know, for a while there it was Dylan Morris, and there's a lot of people who just are not in the Dylan Morris camp, and if you're not in the Dylan Morris camp and you saw him today, I think your mind might be changed. Yeah, he, he was sharp. Ball came out quick, came off came out quick uh, for him a lot of times. There's one where he got real quick pressure off the edge, and he threw it out. Now, uh, Quav- Josh Cuevas dropped the ball, but... You know, Dylan put it right where it needed to be. He just didn't make the catch. And, um, you know, I, I typed that into our, our uh, thread, our running thread of what was going on. And then, like, three plays later, Milton Hopkins gets in for a sack. So, yeah. you know, because he holds the ball a little too long. But overall, I thought Dylan Morris looked great. I think he, he picked good times. To, yeah, I think the only to, poor pass he had was that was that pass behind Keith Reynolds at Thaddeus Dixon. No, it was, over, it was overthrown or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was just a little behind. It should have been more on the sideline side than down the field. But that was probably the only one I saw that really looked egregious. And there was one time where he tucked it in, and, man, it was like a parting of the Red Sea. He mm-hmm. could have gone for 20, 30 yards. No problem. He looks like a starting quarterback in this league. He could certainly at some of at some of the I would schools say that at are building least half of the schools. Like for instance, yeah. if if Troy Taylor at Stanford, if, if if a guy like Dylan Morris at the level he's at right now, I think Dylan Morris would start at a place like Stanford. Yeah, I think he'd start at a place like well, I don't know about Arizona, Arizona State or Washington State, what have you, but Stanford certainly the Oregon, best example Oregon I can State, think of. I could see it there. Yeah, I, I mean they've got Louis Angola I could see it. Now, so well, I could see it at UCLA. Yeah, um, because they've Instead got a freshman. Dante Moore. Well, I'm just saying it's yeah. a true freshman coming in and trying to be a starter there. Yeah. you know, and um, I could see it at um, I could see it at Cal. I could easily see it at Cal. So the, I mean, there's like three or four teams that he could start at. He looked. I'm just trying to say he looked really. good. And there's no doubt when you even if you drop down to like a Mountain West level, mm-hmm. I, I'd be hard pressed to find a, a, a program where he wouldn't necessarily be the starting yeah. guy. Yeah. To day one, like right now. Yeah, and you know, a lot of credit to, to uh, Dylan when um, this day and age, where the first sign of, you know, any kind of a struggle at all, a lot of guys are running for the door from the door, you know, and Dylan Morris is sticking it out, even though he knows he's playing well, behind a Heisman Trophy candidate. This is why it's important to get those local guys who have the buy-in to the program since they were a little kid. I mean, that's that's why I would assume that a lot of people freak out when the local kids aren't made a huge priority by the coaching staff it's because when you when you don't make them a priority they don't have that that buy-in that they had since they were little kids where they grew up going to games and watching games with their parents and their parents are husky fans right and like for instance he just got engaged Mm -hmm. so that's that's a big part of it as well and the other thing is that we need to remind people he had the conversation with him at spring where he's trying to to weigh what the rest of his career is going to be like at quarterback as a player as opposed to what his future is going to be like as a coach, because he's very committed to being a coach at the next level, mm-hmm. whatever that, whatever level that may be. That that's what he wants to do. Right now, he's learning under a Heisman Trophy candidate. He's learning under an, uh, Ryan Grubb, who right now basically turned down the OC job at Alabama. 
to be your offensive coordinator. He, I think he would love to be uh, like a quality control guy or something right off the bat here at Washington when he's done because he's got stability in his family. He's got stability in his personal life. Mm-hmm. He wants to. I think he wants to grow in this area and he wants to do these things. And I think those are the things that he was weighing up. And he also knows, and DeBoer made a mention of it too, um, I think if it wasn't Pac-12 Media Day, it was certainly today, where he's got an opportunity to be the guy next year. I mean, it's it's not like it's being handed to Austin Mack or or the new kid from San Diego State or Johnson or any of these other guys. This this would be Dylan Morris's job to lose starting in 2024, the way things are, are, are going right now. We didn't get a chance to get – uh, to see reps from the other quarterbacks other than the two, but uh, Austin Mack and uh, um, the two other guys. I'm well, Alex Johnson is the other guy that, that was doing it. Right now, um, it looks like uh, the kid from San Diego State, who's who's gonna, who's Will the guy, Haskell. Will Haskell, who just who just came in. It looks like he's he's going to have to sit per the transfer mm-hmm. rules. So right now, he's not going to be getting priority reps or even. At this point, even kind of mental reps. Yeah, he'll probably be the scout team guy. The guys that were taking the mental reps behind Michael Penix Jr. and Dylan Morris right now were out. Were Mac and Johnson. Those were the two guys, and it was kind of fun to watch Austin Mac. Literally, he's he's doing whatever the cadence is, whether it's a fake snap or the real snap or whatever the pre-snap routine is for the quarterback on that particular play. He was mimicking everything. So you can tell how important it is right now for him to get up to speed because he's got a lot of catching up to do. Easiest guy to find on the field, isn't he? It's not hard. No, nope. he's a big kid. Well, you say he's six 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 seven, and I see that. I you made it sound like he was a lot taller than well, six when six he, when uh, he has four inch hair going. <laughs> well, he still doesn't win the hair award for today, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that goes to Sam Adams. Well, but yeah. but yeah, Austin Mack is absolutely six, a guy six, you seven. can't you can't miss. Yeah, I mean he stands out like a sore thumb like, in a good way. When we were doing the fishing thing, he was there, and you know he's wearing shoes, and he had the four inches of hair going, and he he looked all seven foot. And I put the video out today early of the quarterbacks throwing the ball a little bit, so you got to see Penix and and Mack kind of throw the ball side to side. And, and um, he certainly, again, the physical attributes really stand out initially. And when we take a look at the wide receivers and what was going on out there today, uh, the quarterbacks definitely have some weapons. And you said they don't have I, – I, I maybe not weapons, but you said they have buckets. They do have buckets. The way that these guys are being grouped, they're like hockey shift style subs that the defensive guys would be using. Like I think Jeff Choate, if he became the receivers coach, he'd be really impressed because he'd just be swapping out the buckets of guys for each guy. Because bottom line is Bucket last number two. Year, exactly. Well, last year, guys, I found it very difficult sometimes to keep track of the way that these guys were doing their rotation. And I think, honestly, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the coaches were trying to get familiar with the players, just like the players were trying to get familiar with the coaches. That's not a problem anymore. Because even the true freshmen, in their very, very first practice – since they got recruited by Jamarcus Shepard, and he knows exactly mm-hmm. what their skill sets are, he knows exactly what he recruited for, he can create his own little bucket just for the true freshman. So you've got Roma Dunze, you've got Jalen McMillan, you've got Jalen Polk. That's your first bucket. Second bucket, Giles Jackson, Denzel Boston, Jeremy Bernard. Third bucket, the true freshman. Keith Reynolds, Tayshawn Lyons, Rasheed Williams. Boom. End of story. Done. You don't have to worry about them the rest of the camp. That's how it's going to be. Well, I've already put the marker down. Well, it looked like Keith Reynolds a little bit was sneaking into that second bucket. No. 
He was he was but he they were sneaking into the second team. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. But yeah. all three of those guys were being paired as a unit. Jalen without a doubt. I thought Jalen Polk had a big day today. Yeah, he did. Uh, Jeremy Bernard had a big catch, had that big touch. That was so pretty, by the way. You could just see that open up. Denzel yeah. Boston had a couple nice oh, catches. Oh, you're talking about the Rome one between Turner and uh, Jackson? Because there was that, that throw from Panix. That to, wasn't to, Rome. That was... Odunze? I, it thought, was, that was I thought it was number four. I put I thought, it down as Jeremy Bernard. Okay, I thought it was Odunze. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either way. Whoever it was. Were, they, whoever it was, they were yeah, wide open. Yeah. And it was like, literally, they had split the safety yep. corner, and it mm-hmm. wasn't even close. Yep. It was it was really impressive. Yeah, and and Penix just it was forty five yard touchdown. Yeah, you're talking about the one that was maybe about fifteen minutes. Just left down the left practice. side of the hash. Yeah, yeah. Down the left side yeah. of the hash. It was really pretty. I could have sworn it was number four, but maybe it was number one. Anyway, whoever it was, it was a nice route and a nice touchdown. No, it's so. going to be kind of crazy because as efficient as that offense well, looked today, that's the most dynamic well, looking offense. I've, I've been talking about it for a while. Jeremy Bernard would be starting at most of the teams in this conference. He's not going to start at the University of Washington. Well, and more, to the, and more to the point, if you listen to how Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer are talking about Jalen Polk, uh-huh. I, they, you almost get the sense that you would think Jalen Polk could be a, a number one receiver yeah, at any other school about in the Pac-12. You're talking about 1A, 1B, 1C, really. Yeah. I mean, it's in between those three. And but they're talking about him being faster than he's ever been. Yeah. He's bigger than he's ever been. I think they're going out of their way. To try to to yeah. try to get him so, to be talked about at the level of the other but, two guys. But I mean, I'm ta- I'm talking Bernard would be starting at pretty much every other team, and I'm including Oregon and and uh, USC here when okay. I say that. Yeah. But he'd be starting on pretty much every other team in the Pac-12. He would, or I, he's going to start. I'm sorry, he'd be a one receiver for a lot of those teams. He'd also be, uh, and Denzel Boston would be playing quite a bit at. At schools, yeah, and, and I think he had the most ridiculous catch of the day. He did that one that he was battling for over had to, Dixon, yeah, over Dixon. And but I mean, Denzel Boston, I I've said it for a while. He and Jeremy Bernard are just going to have to be patient. They're not going to get. They're going to get maybe I would bet forty five, fifty targets and maybe catch thirty balls. Yeah. These guys are seventy, eighty catch guys down the road. But well, you just how do you have but that? This is why balls? I like to talk about the bucket analogy. Because I think it's going to be easy for Jamarcus Shepard to say, hey, one bucket out, two bucket in. And the two buckets, they go in and they can get the same type of turns and the same type of opportunities as those other guys. Well, when you've got receivers like Jalen McMillan and um, Romu Dunsey, if you're a defensive coordinator, you maybe game plan a little bit to mm-hmm. take them away. But I, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. It's because Washington will just say, oh, if you're going to take those two guys away, we'll have we'll Jalen Polk down the seam, we'll run Jeremy Bernard on a crossing route, whatever it is. And yeah. Westover over the middle, and we got that. Devin Colt. You got Devin Josh Colt. Cuevas. And then a running back. Clinton Moore. Yeah. So I, they just Dylan, like, Dylan Johnson looked great catching the ball out of the backfield, too. Well, so. and if you a month ago, if you, would have, if you would have told me, hey, I think all three of the freshman receivers – are going to get all four games. Yeah, I do and they're too. Gonna, I would have said, I think you're high. Because I just don't see the opportunities or the turns mm-hmm. available to them. Mop I'm up. convinced now those guys are all going to play Keith four Reynolds games. Keith Reynolds looked really good. Keith Reynolds looked great. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He, you can tell he's Giles Jackson Jr. When Giles graduates, he's just going to slot right in. I mean, it's very easy to look size-wise, mm-hmm. uh, skill set-wise, just the, the mouse that the guy plays with. You can tell even as a true freshman, he's got the same kind of football ability where he's almost mimicking what Giles Jackson would do. And then you look at Rasheed Williams, you look at Tayshawn Lyons, you see guys that physically look like a Jalen McMillan. They're, he's, they're not there yet. But you can see the potential in a couple of years where they can grow and be those types of guys. Keith Reynolds is a little bit slight right now, so very. Um, but but he's, he's going to look different in a year. He's going to look a lot different. And he's wearing number eighty nine. Yeah, he's when wearing eighty nine. But I'm telling you what, he's he he Andy already Green. knows how to get open. I mean, yeah. that's 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 not something you need to necessarily get bigger, stronger, faster to do. Yeah, just taking a look at the running backs. It's uh, it looks like Cameron Davis has cemented himself as the number one guy. And, I, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because you, I, I agree. I, I 100% agree. This is Cameron Davis' job to lose. Start his life. Uh-huh. But when you have the fourth period come out in the final team period and the number one guy that comes out is Will Nixon, yep. you make all of a sudden I'm wondering, did we mis-evaluate Will Nixon? Did we miss a trick? Because here's the thing. Kalen DeBoer has talked about it. He talked about pac Media Day. He talked about it today. He says they're convinced the defensive coordinators are going to try to take away the pass. And why wouldn't you? I yeah. mean, that's, the, that's Washington's biggest offensive threat by far. And it took a while for the Washington's running game to gain traction. It took well, what, he, about four or five games yeah, last year? But what he's saying now is, is that with the running backs at a level now where they can maybe hit the ground running day one, game one, They've got the deep, they've got the depth, they've got the numbers to be able to do it. They're at a 200 or 300 level now where they can pick up and do all the things they needed to do uh, game one. They can do the fourth down stuff. They can do the goal line stuff now that were kind of the bugaboos last year. If there was any knock against the offense last year, what was it? Short yardage, fourth down, goal line, those types of things. He says with the running backs, if they can get, if they can hit the ground running and do those types of things and make that kind of stuff happen right away, you have a true balance of run and pass where it's going to be almost impossible for a defense to fully take away mm-hmm. the passing threat because the run game is going to be so productive. And not just the run game, but you tie it into Will Nixon specifically. There's a reason why on the depth chart he's listed at running back receiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can spread him out. They can literally put him out anywhere. Scott, I asked Coach DeBoer if he anticipated any players uh, changing positions, and he said not really. And the reason I asked that is because when I saw Sam Adams, Sam Adams is cut up, and you always liked him on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody did, except for him and his dad. Yeah. Well, that's why he ended up at Washington, Kim, is because Washington gave him an opportunity to play offense. Everyone else wanted him on defense, and Washington wanted him on defense too. But they were willing to give him the shot at offense. And I'll tell you what, he still looks really good at running back to me. You you saw him down. I mean, you were up in the stands. But no, I, I, saw him, I saw he's him down there. I mean, he's, he's ripped. He's ripped. He looks great. He's running hard. But yeah. that's the thing. You just Cameron Davis had the spring where he established himself. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind he established himself as the number one guy. 
Number two guy could either be Sam Adams. Now Dylan Johnson's starting to emerge. We finally got a chance to see what maybe he could do in a little bit of a setting. He looked good. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. Although when I saw some of the one-on-ones where it was the running backs versus the, the linebackers going out for routes and stuff, you can tell he's an advanced route runner as mm-hmm. a running back. He still wasn't he still wasn't getting past guys. Mm-hmm. He still wasn't juking the socks out of guys. And I'm talking about like Drew Fowler. Mm-hmm. Drew Fowler stuck with him. So he still got ways to go, I think, to get comfortable. I mean, clearly he has a track record of Mississippi State that people should be excited about seeing. And I think in time he's gonna be that guy. But I don't I don't feel like he's gonna be a guy that they can count on from day one. <laughs> Unlike what they were able to do with Wayne Talapapa. Well, I think I think what you're going to see with him is he's not going to have the whole playbook available to him. They're going to have certain packages in place for him, whereas some of the other running backs may be able to be on the field. But I think they're going to have specific packages for him so that he can get up to speed a lot faster. I think that's true. And I would also say the other thing is is that one of the, one of the ideas that DeBoer talked about is they're at a level right now where they can be really efficient and be and play and play at a very high level and play it with very uh, big concepts in mind. But he says they also want to try to get these guys feeling a little uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. He wants them to feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations. I looked at Daniel and got it today. Right, he got stuffed at the line of scrimmage on a run by Void Tanufi, who looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, we'll talk about him about him in a bit. And he came right back and Grub asked him to pass pro. And got it. He's like, what, 5'10", 170, yeah. 175, whatever he is? Looked fantastic. So I think they're trying to not only get these guys to be true four-down guys in situations where you wouldn't expect a Nixon or a Johnson or Ngata to be a four-down guy, but I think, again, they're getting these guys ready because I think they're anticipating that they're going to maybe have two or three running backs potentially out there in the field at any one play. Over on the defensive side of the ball last year, they definitely had some issues with depth at corner. They don't seem to have it now. Well, the the problem with the depth at corner was it wasn't just that the first two guys struggle with injuries. It's that the second team struggled with injuries and the third team struggled with yeah. injuries. I mean, they just they all were injured. Well, I you mean, look at that UCLA and Arizona yeah. State losses. Yeah, the back end was absolutely decimated. I mean, I mean decimated. If you watch. Uh, Urban, yeah, uh, go out there and do his thing. Yeah. And Julius Urban was a good corner in high school. He wasn't. He's not. He wasn't one in college. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't have been at corner. Well, he's also banged stick, up. They stick him out there at corner, and he's banged up. He get guys are running circles around him and stuff and everything yeah. like that. Devon Banks, another guy who D- shouldn't DTR have been out turned there. him into yeah. an ESPN yeah, highlight. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what the corners look like. Uh, you know, Jabbar Muhammad and Elijah Jackson look like. The two guys. I was going to say, does it in yeah. your mind? Do you guys think Elijah Jackson's the number one corner? Because it does to me. He I looks he, every bit. I think he is until Thaddeus Dixon takes it from him, and he's going to have to take it from him. He's not just going to be handed it. And I thought Thaddeus Dixon looked pretty good today, but and then JB on Green is probably a step behind. I think the top three guys are Muhammad Jackson and Dixon, with JB on Green like right there too. Well, the next time we talk to Juice Brown. One of the questions I want to ask is about JV on Green. If you look at what his height and weight right now is, he's listed on Go Huskies at six two two oh seven. Yeah, that's a Jimmy Lake style corner. Yeah, I don't know if they want these guys to necessarily yeah. be that big. Is he pushing himself into a Husky or a safety? He might end up being a Husky. I think could he be the next Dom Hampton? For so instance? he could be. Well, he changed his number. 
But he definitely changed his number. He's that zero. That threw me now. off. I thought I was like, is Javion Green off the team? And then I, yeah. oh, he's zero. He's okay. zero. Huh? Yeah, I think you're going to see those first three guys. Uh, I think Muhammad's going to be on the field a lot, but I think with uh, Elijah Jackson and Thaddeus Dixon, I think you may see them split some time and rotate more in, and then Javion uh, banks, you know, one of the quick guys off the bench. Well, one of the, one of the things you you asked about Kim with your position move, one of the answers that DeBoer made was that if you do see some position moves, it's going to be in the secondary because there are some safeties that could move into Husky or back in, and you saw it with Tristan Dunn today, for instance. So what I'm wondering is, could you see Mish Powell potentially end up outside if they want to bring in Dunn to play the Husky or maybe Dom Hampton yeah. or someone else well, I think you to could, play that part? I think you could see that happen, especially if you played against a receiver like UCLA had last year in Bobo. I could see him moving out there to corner to play against a guy like, like a that. Big, like a big, you're, you're yeah. looking like a bigger yeah. body. Yeah, okay. that he can keep up with and keep up with physically because Bobo just abused UW last year. Yeah. By the way, he's... In Seahawks training camp right now. Yeah, screw him. Yeah, but just what's that? Screw him. <laughs> uh, defensive line, you know, uh, depth has been a concern. But uh, you know, just so speaking with DeBoer post um, practice, he seems pretty pleased with his depth there. Yeah, well, one of the moves um, I think you can take from the fact that they decided to move Void Tanufi to edge, which that has, you put that out yesterday, right? That he's moved out to edge. Oh, I put it up Monday. Monday, yeah. sorry, Monday. Um, I think one of the reasons they were able to do that is because they feel pretty good about their depth at defensive tackle. You've got uh, Thule and um, Ulumu Ale. Yeah. They, those two guys were running with the ones. You got Fa'atui Tuatele, who was also doing a few reps with the ones, but mostly with the twos with Jacob Bandis. Then you got the Parker twins, yeah. Javon and Armon. Yeah. Those two guys. I mean, Javon and Armon, I think Javon would be a second or even possibly move into the first unit on several teams in this conference. Well, but by the end of a, last year, he, he was, was pushing lot, into the depth easily. And and the the, the uh, light has definitely seemed to come on for Jacob Bandis, I think. Uh, he's in the best shape he's been in since he got to the University of Washington. He still looks doughy, but he's, he lost about 15, 20 pounds, didn't he? Well, Somewhere yeah, and all lays down, what, and, 30 pounds? Yeah, he's down from 360 to 330, and he looks carved. Yeah. I mean, it's... Do I look doughy at all? Um, not like Chris and I look doughy, okay, but just we're all soft. So, but but um, you know, I mean, it, it's just I the the depth at defensive line and the fact that you can move a guy like uh, Braylon Trison. Braylon Trison is two hundred seventy pounds. Well, I posted so. on the game thread. I don't know over the practice thread. I don't know if you saw that, but I'm just like. Taking a look at Braylon Trice when he first came into his very first fall camp at 2.30, if maybe 2.30, maybe soaking wet, and now he's almost 275, Mm -hmm. looks like an absolute man-child. I mean, to see the physical development of a player like that, it's just it's wild to see. And, I mean, you can, in a a pinch, you can move Tanufi back inside. You know, I think you're you're probably, if you're... If it's a passing down and you want to run four line, you know, four across the front, you got ZTF and Braylon Trice, and then you can actually have Void Tanufi and um, someone else. Or Lance well, Holtz was some that. Yeah, some, we saw it all last year yeah. when Jeremiah Martin was there. You had Martin, ZTF, and Trice in there with Void. 
in the obvious third down and long yeah. passing situations. And you saw Voikos all sorts of havoc at the end of the Oregon game, Arizona. at the end of the Texas game, and Arizona game, Arizona. He, that was that was a very common approach by Inge and Morrell. And to, you're going to get see those more guys of that going. This year. I think so because I think they see that Voy is an uncommon talent. Because when you see 52, who are you reminded of? At least who yeah. I'm reminded yeah. of is is Howley Jamora. Okay, yeah. And when I see he was I eight see, at the end though. Yeah, but he was 52 yeah. when he was Howley Kikaha. Yeah, which I, well I always remembered him as. Yeah. And I just see that same. I don't necessarily see the same body type, but I really see the same first step skill quickness, set. skill yeah. set, uh, just toughness off the edge, yeah. and just tenacity. And the key, if you want to, if you be, if you want to be able to put Holtzclaw and Tanufi and then Trison's ETF on the field at the same time, what's the key? First and second down. You got to get stops to make it second and long or third and long. And Kim, I don't want it to get lost since we're talking about the edge players. I don't know if he's going to do anything this year. It would obviously just be cherry on top. But Milton Hopkins is getting bigger, faster, yeah, stronger. He is. You can tell. He's you look at his kid. lower body; he's thicker for sure. He's got to be. I don't know. He's listed at two twenty five. I think six four, six five. He's yeah. Six, he's five. listed at uh, six four, two twenty six. And if if he could maybe get up another five pounds or so, I think there's a chance he could play. I think there's a chance he could play. Real smart kid, by the way. Fantastic. No, I mean he's doing everything right. He's done everything the coaches have asked him to do. Um, yeah, I think the future is real bright for him. And people have to remember he's still just a redshirt sophomore. So even after this year, he's got two more years. Yeah, just when we take a look, and we've talked quite a bit about the depth and embarrassment of riches at times. And I look over that linebacker crew, and I'm going. Drew Fowler's a walk-on? Mm-hmm. Still? Well, it, it's not just that. Think about this. Raylan Goldforth was a starter at USC, took a back seat to the guy they signed because of NIL, but was yeah. basically a co-starter with that other guy, right? Yeah. Comes over to the University of Washington, and I think he thought he was going to start. Then you got Eddie Ulufoscio and Tupatala, and I don't... If those guys play at the level they're playing at, I don't think Goforth is going to start here. Well, no. And I don't think anybody would he's say number, that. I think he's the fourth linebacker. Here's the well, tell- I think he's third. Here's well, the telltale. Above, above, it, above well, Bruner? But the thing is, I'm sorry, Chris, that they, they have two different spots. Yeah. Eddie plays the will. Yeah. Goforth plays the will. Yeah. Tupatala plays the mic. Bruner plays the mic. So I don't think there's interchangeable. I mean, Eddie could play Mike, but I think he's better as a will. Well, I thought the telltale sign... Was that without Tupatala in that final team period, who was the combo inside? It was Eddie and Bruner. Mm-hmm. And so if Alfonso's not playing, is that is that the group they're going to go with? Who knows? Yeah. Would they have a problem with Goforth in there as the one? So. I don't think there's any chance in hell they have a problem with that. No. I just think right now they just have a. They, I just think they have more of a trust level with those guys because they were with them last year. Raylan Goforth. As much experience as he has as a Pac-12 a linebacker, defense. he is in a different defense. And in a crappier defense. And oh, what? 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 what did I say? Crappier defense. Yeah. At Wash or USC? No, USC. Oh, you, I thought you just said he's in a crappier no, defense. No, he was, was in a in, oh, 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 gotcha. Past tense. Past tense. Well, with all the linebackers they've got, well, I think yeah. they're five deep. Easy. Yeah, yeah, with Drew Fowler. Well, and I mean, plus we're not even talking about the freshman. Well, no, and I, just, I think I Devin gonna, Bryant. I was going to say, they've got a freshman that they're drooling yeah, they over. Love yeah. Devin Bryant. Yeah, they Devin they're Bryant. drooling over yeah. that kid. And if that guy, because he's 5'11", 6 foot, if, 11, he was, yeah. if he was 6'2", 6'3", yeah. we'd be talking about possibly a five-star guy. 
He's got that type of ability. He's got those type of instincts. He's a day one starter at a lot of schools. At Washington, he's going to redshirt. But I I just think, you know, I think, so at Ulufoshi and Goforth graduate this year, Devin Bryant will be in the depth. With, Absolutely, with, and, and I think it's almost a for sure that they'll probably go back to the portal to get another yeah. linebacker. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's yeah how it's going to work. But but you know you've got Fowler who turned down a scholarship at Utah and, and UCLA. UCLA, yeah, and UCLA and Utah to come to Washington as a walk on. He has sold out for the program. Yep. He could. He's a guy. He can play. He can play at many schools in this in this conference. And he's a great kid, by the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be a starter at a Mountain West school. Yeah. And he's playing here as like the third, fourth, fifth guy. Well, what was interesting so. is when I had the conversation about him having to pay for school and um he just said he you know, he was has a really good situation and his grandmother set money aside for his schooling mm-hmm. and said and told him you do what you want to do because money's not the issue. You know, not a lot of kids have that opportunity. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So, um, but uh, no, good day out on the field. And then we didn't see much of the specialists today. There, no. They, there was no field goal kicks. No, they were, punts, they, were, really. they were doing some lineup stuff. Um, the protection. Going back to offense real quick, Jalen Clem was working out at left tackle, but he was also working out on the left side at the end with. God, I want to say who was it? It was one of the tight ends, I think, um, and they were working on protections out on the left side for the for the PATs, PATs and, and stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. Goals. And, and the guys that we didn't talk about today doesn't mean anything. It's just certain practices are set up a certain way, and we're focusing on different things. So a lot of the guys that maybe we didn't talk about today, we'll talk about one, probably. One tomorrow. question we should probably get out of the way: People are going to ask if Savelle Smalls is out there. No, he is not. <laughs> He isn't. He's at Colorado now. Yeah. So that used to be a question every year. Where's Savelle? Where's Savelle? What's so who's, who's that guy going to be for this year? Oh, oh um, well, I mean, it's got to be the highest rated guy. Maybe it's Anthony James. Well, I know people are asking because I saw it. I saw it because they have an odd number of quarterbacks. Dylan Johnson was working with Haskell when he was throwing the ball. Yeah. He needed someone to throw the ball to. So someone immediately asks, does that mean he's healthy? Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's good. He was just helping out. Jeez Louise. You well, know, no, so I mean, yeah. it's, I I mean, mean they're, it, not, they're not here, so we have to be I know, the eyes and ears. I know, so we I have to it. be the eyes and ears. But look, if we're not mentioning a guy, he's either not doing anything or he's out. Now, we will let you guys know if somebody's off to the side. So if they're, he just isn't, he's either not doing anything that catches our eye or he's not in the rotation or that day. Or we're not focusing on Or him. Or he's not in the rotation yeah. that day. There were days where, I mean, if you look at the NFL, they um, well, uh, Mahomes had a day off yesterday. Yeah. He just didn't practice. Does that mean he was hurt? No. It just means he wasn't out there. Right. So Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pac-12 media rights and realignment. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole. I don't think it's as complicated as a lot of people are making it out to be, but... Um, Wait, it, we're not in Act 20 yet or something, yeah, or whatever that no, is? I, I, I think it's pretty... I, 
I don't think there's as many rabbit holes as people like to think, but, you know, just starting on the uh, media rights deal, everything indicates that Apple is going to be a heavy, 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 heavy player in this with uh, uh, quite a bit of streaming on that. We don't know if there's going to be, and I hate to use the word linear, over the air is what I prefer mm -hmm. to say because I think people understand that, you know, if Apple does uh, win most of the streaming rights, you know, is ESPN going to be involved? Is Fox going to be involved? And it sounds like it's, you know, today's Wednesday. By Friday, we should have a pretty good handle on that. So, Kim, if you had to predict right now, we're, we're, we're in 2026, where is Washington playing? In the Big Ten. Me too. Yeah. I think so. Big Ten. Because what it sounds like, I mean... But it, not next year. A lot of people think this is going to impact no. next year. No. Washington is probably a year or two away from getting in the... And like I said, we can go down, I don't want to go down the rabbit holes, but, you know, with the thing that's interesting about Apple, there's a lot of talk that ESPN is going to be a part of well, Apple. Disney wants to get rid of ESPN. Yeah, and Apple could be that player, and if they go with ESPN, they could get ahead of the curve. And there's lots of pros and cons in going streaming versus non-streaming. Don't want to dive into that, but, you know, my gut says, I think that... It, it's just going to take one school to leave for everything. But a scenario like that could potentially solve at least part of their legacy problem. Um, but they're always going to have a bit of a legacy problem as long as they go majority streaming. But people need to understand that we're already starting to watch a lot of stuff on our phones. Yeah. This is the way things are headed. Yeah. So we have to kind of either get ahead well, of the times and figure and, that out or stay Kim, stuck where we're at. We also need to address what you Yahoo printed today well yeah just keep in mind also just want to say that we may know a little bit about what's going on streaming but i still think that we're missing some important details yeah on additional partners to apple who may have absolutely another thing to remember too and one thing i talked to somebody today who who knows about a lot of this stuff yep. that's going on and this person said that hey people who don't like seven thirty kickoffs they're pretty much gone if you go with Apple. Um, because he said, this person said, shoot, this person said, if um, Washington were to stay in the Pac-12 for the next couple of years or whatever, he, he said, if they're streaming, the streaming platform, you just stream whenever. And right. people get on and whatever. They're not worried about time slots. So... You could be talking about one and four o'clock kickoffs throughout the year. Yeah, because because what people what the fans are worried about is it's going to affect recruiting because recruits and parents and stuff can't find it. They don't mm -hmm. want to pay for it. Those types of things, all legitimate concerns. Yes. I'm not I'm not trying to Absolutely. minimize I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But what I'm trying to underscore and what you just said is it underlines everything else that's positive about this to the people that want to have a gripe about something. Mm -hmm. and, because if it's because if it's inability to get to it, it's time, it's late nights, it's Pac-12 after dark, can't do it. Bottom line is, if you're not competing with anybody for legacy times, Scott's mm. point, you can literally put this thing on sure. at midnight and, uh, if you wanted to, or at noon, doesn't yeah. matter. And my gut tells me where we're heading on this, and I, I don't think I'm going to be far off on this. And one of the biggest problem with the streaming deal is what's being reported is the basis low, but, and there's a lot of incentives there, mm -hmm. which sounds kind of good, but it makes it very, very difficult for budget and planning for athletic departments. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be at least one school that says, yeah, I can't do this, and I think it's going to be Arizona mm -hmm. that says, I'm going to take the Colorado deal, and that's all it's going to take for this well, conference think, to Think implode. about this, though. Think about Arizona. 
if you're the who's the head coach at Arizona? Jed Fish. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking basketball. Uh, oh, so it's uh, Tommy Lloyd. Okay. Do you think Tommy Lloyd wants to go to the Big Twelve where he's competing against Oklahoma, Texas, all those basketball schools, <clears throat> or does he want to stay in the Pac-12 where? The biggest competition that he had, UCLA, is gone. Kalen DeBoer. Do you think he wants to go to the Big Ten? I think I think USC and UCLA are in for a huge wake-up call because, and yeah, the Big Ten for Washington is it. It's a lot bigger of a deal. You're not. Wa- I, I just get the I just get the sense, guys, that on the one hand, USC and UCLA are going to public publicly say. Yeah, I mean, we're, tr- we're trying to get out of the Pac-12 conference so that we can be a bigger thing and all this stuff. But I think secretly they're having meetings well, saying, if we have more partners on the West Coast, that really solves a lot of problems. Yeah, everything I'm us. hearing is UCLA and USC are lobbying hard for yeah, Washington and Oregon. It solves Oregon. a lot of their problems, travel well, problems. Well, people, people tend to think of this realignment thing only in the terms of football and maybe a little bit of basketball. But when you add two more teams on the West Coast, think about the travel budgets for all the other sports. And you, as hard as they're lobbying for Washington and Oregon, I think there's a lot of lobbying going on, too, to bring in Stanford and Cal and having six teams in that Western division. That would be big. So, uh, And now, of course, everyone's scrambling for their etch-a-sketches and trying to figure out how the Big Ten can now be like the Big 18 or the Big yeah. 24. Or I think you stay at Big Ten. I, I think it's got to stay at the Big Ten. My guy says early next week. Oh, well, no, the brand gonna... is Big Ten, no. but I'm talking about the numbers. My guy's still telling me, and he was called during the podcast, so i got to call him back, but he says early next week he anticipates um, – uh, Washington and Oregon to be invited into the Big Ten. So this is this is breaking news. Wow. I'm saying I'm saying well this guy's it's not breaking news, but it's breaking rumor. It's okay. a, <laughs> he's a pretty good source. He knows his stuff. I mean, he knows his stuff, yeah. and he's talking he's talking to the people at USC. He's got some really good USC connections, and he's got some really good connections with UCLA too. So interesting, interesting stuff. So uh, let's wrap this up. We've got to be back again tomorrow. We still got a lot to go. Um, and just real quick before we end it, Chris, we've still got the big promo running right now. No better time to subscribe. Yeah, seventy five percent off. I mean, and, and is this with, the best deal we have? This is always the best deal that we have, but yeah. it's only forty eight hours long, guys, and we're already almost a third of the way through it. Well, yeah, about, not quite, but about fifteen and out. Yeah. Hours. So we've got we've got uh, until the end of the day Tuesday, seventy five percent off, and it's also upgradable. So if you're a monthly member, you can upgrade with that deal to a yearly subscription. And there's also Paramount Plus that if you just wanted to pay for uh, go month to month at the full price, you get Paramount Plus now for free on the month to month. On the month to month, that's a pretty good deal. So, but if you pay full price on the month to month, so what you can do is if you if you need to sell it to your significant other, you need to say, look, honey, we're, we're, I'm getting you Paramount Plus now. Yeah, and Dogman's and you, included, and Dogman's included for free. <laughs> so, so you you can do all those different things, but like I said, seventy five percent off. We're selling our souls. I don't know how we can even do this, but we're doing it. And you um, didn't know you and I were taking pay cuts. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, yeah. <laughs> how'd you find out? <laughs> no, yeah. not pay cuts. We're having to pay more. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, we're paying him. More. We're paying him more. So <laughs> the problem is, is that we 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 do this for a short time. So take advantage while you can. And like I said, you're getting in on the ground floor because we're this is literally day one, guys. And not just that. So. Uh, sorry, uh, December, mid-December signing day. Yeah. There's going to be official visits all season long. Yeah. They're going to have guys in. And I think more than anything, the portal is going to become even bigger. 
and the portal starts in December. I was going to say, how does it get much bigger than yeah. it already? Because it seems like it just it, was so stuffed. I'm to talking with. bigger for Washington. I didn't, you know, Washington was real selective with who they brought in, but I think Washington's going to be much more. You're of a talking player. about more important. More, more I thought you were talking about yeah. numbers. They're going to be more of a player. Yeah. Wrap up day one, Chris Fetters. Oh, great day! First of all, beautiful setting, greatest setting, unbelievable day out. Very few. Very few things to really complain about, honestly. I mean, I think that it, that, that first day went about as good as you could hope if you're Kalen DeBoer. Um, very few injuries to, to even worry about or guys nicked up. Offense looked great. Defense took their chances. Um, I think some of the position switches, like Wojtunufi to edge, really panned out early. And uh, can't wait to see where the direction of the defense heads now because the offense, I think, set the marker and and – yeah, it's not like anybody didn't expect it because you got a Heisman Trophy candidate right there. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund? Good first day. Looking forward to the to the next couple. And then on Saturday, we see them uh, with shoulder pads a little bit, and then we get to see full pads next week. The grind has begun. So pretty much now till what, the end of May. May? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we just keep on grinding. We got a little bit of time off. Scott traveled cross country with children. I prayed for him every North, day. North Carolina in late July. Uh, yeah, it was warm. Yeah, and one just quick story. I'm getting a text from Scott. Scott hates the heat, and where he was going to stay, they lost their air conditioning. And Scott was, Scott was sweating just thinking of going oh, back there with God, no air yeah. conditioning. But it, it it got repaired. It's a two year old house. Yeah. So I mean, the, it so shouldn't who, be going out. So do you hate the heat more, or do I hate the cold more? I think you hate the heat more. God, it is close. You're miserable in the heat. Oh, I Kim, Kim, you make everybody understand how miserable you are in the. It's the cold. The cold. It's, it's the wet cold. Yeah. It's anyway, like go Arizona ahead. has a dry heat. Seattle has a wet. Well, cold, when you're so. when you're as petite as you are, yeah. It it uh, it, uh, it I can see why the cold bothers yeah, you. Yeah, but anyway, it's just a great day out here. It's good to have the, the band back together to see a lot of guys. Uh, uh, and just a shout out to Kalen DeBoer. We've been doing this, you know. I think we're on coach number eight. We've had some really good head coaches, but nobody has been as open and just giving with their time as Kalen. When DeBoer. he walked up to us last year, when we were waiting for the other the players yeah. and coaches, he wasn't even meeting with us. Yeah. And he walks up, "Hey, how are you guys doing? Yeah. What are you guys doing?" Yeah. He just sits there and he'll talk to you until you're done. Yeah, it's funny down a media day down in L.A. I'm down in Vegas. They're telling him. You got to cut. And he goes, no, I'm not done yet. And he talked for another 20 minutes. They're trying to yank him off. He'll just, he's well, just a genuine guy. What's what's really interesting, guys, I don't want to belabor this or drag it on too long, but one of the questions he was asked today was about the media deal and, and, and how that could affect recruiting and things like that. And he just says, you know, a lot of it's out of our control. And, you know, we aren't told a heck of a lot because these things are done at a different level. So we just have to kind of stay in our lane. And a lot of times we're just looking for information just like you guys are. And so I almost get the sense that sometimes when he comes up and says hello and stuff, He's out there trying to get information on guys. From he us. thinks we know something that he doesn't, <laughs> well, which well, is a, one of the more yeah. absurd things. One, that one I... of the funniest things was we were podcasting. We happened to be up at UW, yeah. and we were podcasting, and he just happened to walk by us. Yeah. And he goes, what are you guys talking about? And we were just like, oh, the Pac-12 deal. And he goes, what do you guys think is going to happen? Yeah. We're like, you're asking us? Yeah. We're not used to that yeah. with coaches. <laughs> Tyrone would run the other way. I know. But, I say, here's, well, the guy with the, here's the guy who has the ear of the AD and the president, and he's asking us, us about what we think of yeah. or what we I mean, know. But, I mean, the lack of – I mean, 
I'm, he's got to have an ego to get to the point where he's gotten. But the lack of ego and how it come across, how it comes across, yeah, yeah. just it, I have never met. Chris Peterson was great with us. I thought Sark was pretty good with us too. Yeah. Those guys were locked in. They didn't want to talk to us if it wasn't just about yeah. football. And yeah. and you know that just that's not. You just get the sense that nothing really bothers him. No. At the end of the day, he's just not affected. And just looking ahead for those out of town, Thursday high of eighty, Friday eighty one, Saturday eighty one, Sunday eighty four, Monday eighty one, Tuesday we're going to cool down to seventy four, then. 77, 81, 82 with no rain in the forecast whatsoever. So it's going to be a good couple of weeks. We get eight open practices, so this week and next week. So just keep it right here at dogman.com. We will get you uh, We will get you your Husky fix every day, you know, for the next uh, nine months or however long yeah. it's going to last. So for all of us at dogman.com, also one more thing. Shout out to um, Moni, Monica Samick out here taking pictures today. She's already got yeah. them all done and processed for us, so we'll have some of those And wearing flip-flops? Well. No, no, she had shoes on. Yeah. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnell, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>